Now filling in, here's Marie Osborne. And we are back. We are watching uh, some of the coverage here this afternoon of the funeral for former First Lady uh, Rosalind Carter. Uh, the president, former president, is there. It is a moving tribute. Her uh, grandchildren are giving her uh, accolades. Her children spoke. Her son, uh, her grandson here talking about a story where he and his uh, fellow grandchildren were on a flight, apparently a, a, a Delta flight, a commercial flight, uh, with their grandmother. This was some years ago. And uh, they had just taken off, and uh, she pulls out a Tupperware container from underneath her, uh, from her uh, carry-on baggage, and proceeds to make uh, pimento cheese sandwiches for the grandchildren, and heck, for people who were just sitting nearby. Uh, It was a delightful story, and so many other stories. What was moving about what he talked about was how his grandmother, he said, was never afraid of the long journeys. Uh, in fact, she her long journey, he referred to her uh, advocacy for mental health uh, back in the 70s and to her dying day continued to advocate uh, for mental health attention in this country. So a beautiful, beautiful ceremony and service in Atlanta right now for the former first ladies for the former First Lady Rosalind Carter. You know, we talk about politics. Uh, Protesting has been a tradition in our American politics. And sometimes the protesting uh, loses its way, shall we say. Dozens of protesters gathered outside Senator Gary Peters' home on Sunday. They even laid out prop body bags on the street. And the group was there to deliver a letter to the senator asking for a ceasefire in the Mideast. They wanted him to push for that. They demanded him to support a permanent ceasefire of Israel's bombardment on Gaza and end its occupation of Palestinian territory. That's why they said they were there. Uh, It didn't, uh, there weren't any arrests or anything of that nature, but it did put a lot of people on edge in that neighborhood. So when does protesting cross the line? We thought we'd bring in Ken Coleman, a professor of political science at the University of Michigan, to help us delve into this topic. Hi, Professor Coleman. Glad you could join us this afternoon. Uh, Glad to be here. Thanks. So I was wondering when I saw this uh, protest outside of Gary Peters' home, should private homes of elected officials be off limit? Off limits. I mean, we've even seen protests out of our outside of our Supreme Court justices and outside of judges' homes and so forth. So, I mean, it's not just like our elected officials, but should that be off limits for protesters? Well, I mean, legally, I, um, it's it's not off limits legally, and it's uh, perhaps part of the business of being a politician that you're subject to that. But um, the worry for protesters is that it will backfire and will turn the public or politicians or public opinion against what they're trying to to achieve so um you know there's a there's a sense in which you expect people organizing the protest to understand 
the stakes of their own actions. And if you if you bring negative publicity on your own cause through your actions, that that doesn't that doesn't advance your cause. Uh, uh, we often uh, think back to the protests, the peaceful protests of the civil rights movement um, decades ago. Martin Luther King really promoted the idea of peaceful protesting. He said, you know, you could gain so much more sympathy to your cause and you could actually use it as a learning tool for people who maybe don't know what you stand for or what you're protesting about. And if you have uh, the information to get out to the public, that would be the way to do it. But so much today turns into violent protesting. When do you think that change happened and why do you think that happened? Well, let me be clear. The civil rights movement protests were not always peaceful. Um, There was violence committed against often peaceful protesters. Mm -hmm. Um, So these did lead to violence. Um, I'm not sure... What has changed recently on this, there have been um, a lot of peaceful protests, uh, but even the protests around the George Floyd murder a few years ago in 2020, um, most of those protests were peaceful demonstrations, but um, there were moments when um, certain people took advantage of those protests to commit acts of violence and, and escalate them. Um, these, those, that, that escalation had a very negative impact on public opinion attitudes towards those protests and those protesters. Um, so, uh, committing violence and, and, and crossing lines, um, is often detrimental to the, the, what the protesters are trying to achieve. I was just going to bring up the, the, uh, protesters, um, the Black Lives Matter, the George Floyd protests that we saw a couple of years ago, and there was violence in some cases, and that, for a lot of people, that was the line. They were completely turned off by the entire cause. They didn't want to hear anything about what this was about because of that. Um, they felt so strongly about that. So that's the risk that you run when you let when you allow this to to um, turn violent. You know, in some cases. Recently, we've seen where there have been interlopers who come in and pretend they're part of the protest, but they're the troublemakers. They're the ones who start the problems. How can they possibly how can uh, protest organizers possibly uh, uh, control that? It's it's outside of their control, isn't it? (laughs) Well, if we could figure out how to solve that, that would be helpful. But there's. certainly a risk when large numbers of people gather in public spaces. Um, Vast, vast majority of them want to protest peacefully and make their case or, um, and there's a, um, you know, it can escalate or people can um, take advantage of that and, and, and commit acts of violence or vandalism. Uh, But oftentimes protesters are, um, you know, obviously trying to draw attention to a cause, um, it, that that cause, those causes can be different whether they're themselves popular or not. And uh, the protesters um, around, uh, you know, Senator Peters' house, for instance, 
um, you know, they're they're protesting in a very, very charged environment mm. where people are, you know, reacting very strongly against or in favor of what they're of, of what they're protesting for. So these kinds of contexts uh, are really important in how people interpret protests and what what happens thereafter. Very quickly, I want to ask you in your you know, you, you have a vast knowledge in this area. Has there ever been a protest that you thought was effective in the way they approached it, the way it was executed, the way it was done? Oh, sure. There's plenty. Um, there's plenty of protests that are that are very effective. Um, whenever, uh, I mean, protests about, um, I mean, one that came to mind that I wrote in a, in a book, uh, you know, a while ago, um, when uh, the Congress tried to raise um, certain prices for uh, uh, Medicare procedures and and um, and drugs, uh, uh, pharmaceuticals uh, for for the elderly, um, a bunch of elderly people mm-hmm. protested and uh, shut down certain offices and got uh, you know, blocked cars and um, you know this. This actually, Congress reversed course. Um, it pulled back the legislation. So yeah, there are there are protests that are effective every day, um, all the time. So uh, it's a it's a it's a tradition in American politics, and it's going to continue to be a tradition in American politics. And sometimes they're very effective. Yeah. Ken Coleman, professor of political science at the University of Michigan. Thanks for joining us this afternoon here on WJR. And when we come back, we're going to talk a little more about Giving Tuesday. And if you don't have cash to give, that's okay. It's still the giving season. We'll tell you how when we return.